What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Deer Vein Podcast. Today we got on Kurt Geiger. Geiger, sorry, Geiger. I know another dude named Kurt Geiger. <laughs> you do really? That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I got Kurt Geiger on with the Working Class Bow Hunter, who has recently made. If you guys don't know Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast, you got to check it out. You got to check out their their social media channels. They have a ton of of great content, um, far more content than I put out, and a lot more in depth content. So. Definitely check those guys out. Before we get rolling on this combo with Kurt, um, let's uh, let's stop for just a quick second and thank Onyx Maps, uh, Vector Custom Shop, and Venado. Those are the three partners I have with this podcast. Venado makes clothing, so um, good quality outdoor clothing. Uh, Vector Custom Shop arrows. If you guys are looking for new arrows, you had some crappy success or something, you don't like your current arrows, check those guys out for sure. And then the last one, Onyx Maps. GPS, private land, public land, online, offline, waypoints, tracking, uh, all that fun stuff. So if you haven't checked them out, go for it. All right. With that, trying to make those those sponsorship advertisements like really, really short this year. (laughs) It's tough, man. You got to do your job, right? I mean, right. I think people hear people run ads on their podcast and then they want to complain. But it's like, man, you don't understand how much work goes into this for you to just listen for to for no charge so hit the right, yeah someone's got to pay for it like yeah, so hit the forward 15 button if, if it's that big of a deal for you it's pretty easy to get around it if you really want right? to yeah and there's also like i i enjoy some of the other um some of the other podcasts i listen to that they talk about products that i've never heard of like people that are jumping yeah. on and sponsoring you know and that's always that's always nice because i'm like oh all right that's cool and then also you know if like, what would I say? Like, uh, I, I, uh, ended up getting a bow this year and I bought a bow because it was, or I bought a bow from a specific bow shop because it was recommended by a fellow podcaster. Mm-hmm. And so I told them that, and those people were like, Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. You know, we've enjoyed yeah. working with that, that uh, group of guys and yada, yada, yada. So for sure. Uh, try to, I, I like listening to the ads to be honest, because I don't listen to a lot of hunting content. So I listen to a lot of like I don't know, I guess out of our industry, uh, content, I guess. So yeah. I like to hear how they like tackle their ads. And a lot of those are more like mainstream, like, you know, bigger business type ads. So I just like to see yeah. how people do it. And plus it's fun to just hear, like when you get a, 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 a podcast that like puts their own twist on the ad and kind of just like embraces that that company is partnering with them, no matter how they're going to plug their product type thing. Like, uh-huh. like uh-huh. we're kind of reckless the way we plug our ads like sometimes <laughs> we'll do them i'm like ooh, i don't know if they listen to the back on that one they might not like that plug but it's honest <laughs> let's just hope they don't listen to this cast yeah yeah <laughs> so, which uh, is weird right but it's fun yeah oh for sure so all right kurt if if anybody doesn't know working class bow hunter or or you can we do a, a quick background check on that yeah man kurt guyer working class bow hunter podcast we've been rocking our well we've rocking a podcast every week since March of 2015, early, early March. Um, just been busting tail trying to get a weekly podcast out and kind of just grew into this a little bit. I don't know, I guess more, I don't want to say popular podcast, but we just kind of got some street cred in the podcast game now, I think. <laughs> and we have a, a series, a sub series with jury outdoors called working class on Deercast, cast. Um, and we just launched another sub series called the cc hunt files podcast on our platform so uh we kind of are giving everybody uh a, a slice of i think of each option we have the clean version of working class on deercast we have 
the classic version of us, which is do what you want, say what you want, and just go for it. And then we have kind of like the Western adventure motivating side of things with Clint Casper. And I'm technically a co-host on that other series, but I've been busy with the other stuff. So I haven't been around on that one for a little bit now. So um, yeah, I just snowballed into a podcast was kind of three outlets on one platform and uh, just seeing where we can take this thing. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and Kurt didn't mention it, but he is a big whitetail hunter, does a lot of hunting and he had a phenomenal season this year. He's got three bucks, three great bucks, one muley, two whitetails. And then he also got a mountain lion this year, which is yeah. pretty badass. Was that a bucket list hunt? Yeah, it was, but it was, uh, the mountain lion was a bucket list hunt, but um, not like it wasn't one that I, I don't want to sound like I'm ungrateful for it. Cause I, I definitely am, but it, it was one that I didn't think I was going to accomplish like before I, I checked off other boxes, if that makes sense at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. I always figured like elk, mule deer, moose or caribou, something that, and then mountain lion was in there. Uh, but it just happened to work out that I got to have that mountain lion adventure first for a lot of those, you know, I killed a mule deer this year, but then I got to have the mountain lion adventure. So uh, it, it was crazy. It was, it was awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, it sounds I, I want to hear about that story because I haven't I haven't listened to any podcast on it yet or anything like that. I haven't even done one on it yet. So oh, um, all right, perfect. <laughs> I touched I touched on it with Aaron Blisey on the fall, but I didn't really get into detail detail because you know on ours we're gonna do the full detail deal. And so yeah, I mean whatever you want to ask, go ahead, man. I'll tell you. Yeah. All right. Well, perfect. I I want to ask about that, but before I get into that, I want to hear: Was there anything cool at the ATA? Yeah, I. I think so. Um, ATA gets a bad rap. Like I said, on the fall podcast that, uh, you know, ATA gets a bad rap from people and it's mostly from people who don't go to ATA, which is <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah. But yeah. There's some cool products at ATA. A lot of the stuff that I thought was really interesting might be, and of course I didn't get to see everything cause I'm working at the show. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff I miss. So if someone hears me say, Oh, I thought this product was interesting. They're like, well, what about this? It's probably cause I just didn't see it. Like just, I didn't, we didn't ever have time to walk around and see the whole show. Um, I like e-bikes, you know, that's something that I've just implemented into my hunting tactics and um, they're just fun in general. So a lot of my interest was like with forerunner, they came out with like this trailer system for one for the e-bike and one to haul around your e-bikes, which if anybody uses those in their hunting, they're heavy and kind of inconvenient to get from hunting property to hunting property. So forerunner kind of like fixed that solution and, they have a bunch of like attachments and a ground blind that can be pulled behind the bikes and just kind of made the e-bike game a little more convenient um, with some of the tools they made. I thought that was cool. And yeah. another one I'm real excited about spy points, got a new trail cam coming out um, that I think is going to change kind of the outlook on spy point trail cams. Um, I know some people have had issues with them in the past and that's a, a rapidly changing and growing company. And um, they have a new cell camera out called the flex that um, is super affordable and it kind of like does everything for you, like firmware updates mobily. And it's got like multiple SIM cards in it. So um, when you buy it, you don't have to worry about like, oh, I get a stronger Verizon signal here or a stronger whatever cell company oh, yeah. signal here. It'll search for the, the best one. And then like if one fails, it'll grab another signal. So it's not like, stuck to whatever cell carrier it's like it's flexible it's the flex yeah. um and it's like 160 bucks so nice. to me i think that's a great option and exciting for guys who have always worried about the headache of cell cams 
this camera kind of addresses all that and it's affordable. So that excites me. Yeah. Do you know what the uh, cams can be a pain? Do you know what the price tag on those is? Like, like right around 160 bucks. Uh, I'm sorry, the the data plan or whatever for camera. Do you oh, know? it varies. So you can do whatever. Really, it varies. There's a free version. So um, they have like I think Spy Point's the only cell cam company that offers a free plan. Um, yeah. But their app's awesome. So there's like there's like three different tiers and the free version, and then like I guess that camera now um, will send video as well. Oh, so, okay, sweet. And, and they made it to where like on the app because the first question I had when they told me about like the video, I'm like, you ever do, like, set your trail cam on video and you plug it into your computer or, or whatever you're checking what's on the SD card and it's like all these videos and you have to like scrub through all the videos to see if you want to keep it or not. It's kind of a pain. Yeah. Um, they have it to where it, it sends like a small, almost like a GIF type format of the video. And then you can decide if you wanted to send it then after you watch the GIF or just delete it. So you can see like through oh, the, gift, sure. it like scrubs through the video for you. You can see if there's a big buck or if it's a squirrel. And then you decide if you actually yeah. want the camera to send it, the video or not. So you're not like burning out your battery on videos of squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, my, uh, so this was the first year I jumped into the, uh, <clears throat> cell cam game mm-hmm. and I got, uh, I got an Exodus. Um, I got two Tacticams and I got three Cuddybacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pain, the bane of my existence with those is freaking turkeys, man. Oh yeah. I like, yeah. Turkeys just for whatever reason are just like, it seems like every week I get 19 photos and, and, or 19 notifications throughout a day of turkeys. Like they just like sit in front of the cameras. It's been that way for me lately too. Like in the late season, it's like right where I have my camera. It's where all the turkeys want to stand for five hours before they go to roost. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm yeah. like, well, at least I know where the roost tree is now. So yeah. in the spring, if I got to go kill one, I will. But uh, no till then, snow pictures of turkeys. Awesome. <laughs> yep. Fantastic. Yeah, dude. I So we have, we have a really hard time killing turkeys. I've hunted them for two seasons on our, on, we have a hundred acres uh, in Wisconsin, on, in Southwest Wisconsin. Um, and I've had, we've had it for three, three deer seasons, two turkey seasons now. And I've had a really hard time killing turkeys out there. Mm-hmm. um during season but right now i was out there the other day i walked out the front door and i counted 67 like in in our in our 12 acre field and i was like are you yeah. like where do you go like stop like just stay here you know <laughs> turkeys are we've been talking about uh, on some of the podcasts that haven't launched yet on our platform turkeys have kind of been uh you know entering the topic of conversation getting you know deer seasons are ending all over yeah and, next thing people are thinking about is turkeys so i i like it more every year and i'm trying to love it more i I wouldn't say i'm trying to love it more i do love it more the more i do it and the turkeys for us is hunting with your buddies type of animals whereas whitetails we kind of separate and get serious and kind of get down and you know do our own game plans with turkeys we you know we're out hey you want somebody come it's just less serious i think and more of a camaraderie type hunt for our friendship group it is. Yeah. It's not, uh, I, I, and I've thought about that too. Cause I'm in the same boat. Like I, I don't really care and neither do my buddies. Like if I, <laughs> if I ask my, my biggest deer hunting buddy, I'm like, Hey man, you mind if I sit in the, the tree with you with my camera tonight? He'd be like, um, yeah, you know, and <laughs> I, and, uh, and then otherwise, like, I'll be like, Hey dude, you want, you want to go turkey hunting together? He'd be like, yeah, let's go. Let's go try to kill some birds. Right. That's exactly how it is too. It's like, it's like, ah, man, well, a lot of it, 
some guys have different ground for turkeys and different ground for deer, you know, deer's a little different. It's like, man, I, with us, you know, I don't own any ground. Me, me personally, some guys on our crew do own some ground, but a lot of it's like, ah, man, I can't take anybody out deer hunting. It's just the landowner doesn't want it. It doesn't want the liability. But then if we have another piece with turkeys, it's like, yeah, dude, let's go set up a ground blind, tip some shit over. Like, who cares? We'll have <laughs> some fun, you know? So it's yeah. it's a little more lighthearted. And if it happens, it happens. But, you know, right. if, if not, not, not a still, big deal. Yeah, not a big deal. We're still having yeah. fun. So, yeah, I think it all has to do like when I've thought about it, uh, and we can move on from this topic, but when I've thought about it is, uh, it, it has to do with like spooking the buck, right? Like you don't want to yeah. put undue pressure on a big buck that you're after, but no one's like, dude, there's a 13 inch Tom out there. You better not make a move. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. We call him like, oh man, that's a dinosaur. It'd be cool yeah. if he came in. If he doesn't, <laughs> so they're little velociraptors with beards. Yeah. No shit. So, all right. So jumping, switching kind of topics here. Um, we, you used to, how am I going to, let me frame this here for a second. Um, most podcasts that everybody listens to, uh, like the Deer Vein podcast, mine included, I have a full-time job. I do my full-time gig. Um, and then I run Deer Vein on the side, you know, a couple hours, maybe an hour a night, two hours a night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and getting all that going content, whatnot, you guys, you finally at like 488 episodes or 490 episodes in you, you guys are finally able to make the jump with like essential, essentially, uh, well, I'll let you answer this, but you guys are make the jump to you going full-time with working class bow hunter. Yeah. Um, it's been a grind, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's weird because in the frame of time, we've been doing it, I guess, seven years in March. If my, uh, I don't do math, but it's right around seven years. So, and that's not a real long time, but it's not a real short time either. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a short time at all. It feels like it's been a grind, you know? Um, I think ever since we got into like that 40 or 50 episode mark, I realized, man, this is really fun. I enjoy this. And then like some of the, just some of the, little small flavors of what the business side of running your own little company, I guess uh, you get, you get some experience there and maybe realize, man, maybe we could do something with this. And that was, you know, early on, that's still in 2015 at that point. Um, but a lot of people think like, Oh man, it's cool. You could just start that and do it. I'm like, well, yeah, but I've been technically working two jobs with my day job. And then the podcast has kind of become its own, well, it is its own business entity over time. And, um, you know, we have a store and we're partnerships and all the stuff that we're rolling out. Um, it just got to the point where if one of us didn't make the jump, we were going to plateau and it was just going to baseline to where we were at. And, you know, me and Eric own it, you know, the, the, the company and we got to talk and it's like, dude, it's time for you to jump because we got to go hard in the paint and just continue to do this and grow and see where we can push it. And, I mean, it's our passion. It's our dream. It's everything we want to do. So why not try and pursue it if you can um, life short, you know? So it just got to the point where we had to make the call and it's not an easy decision by any means. Cause it's your livelihood. If something goes South, but I don't know, I guess you don't, um, you don't do what you want in life or be able to do what you want in life by just staying comfortable or staying on the path of like that corporate security blanket of that weekly paycheck, if that makes any sense at all, but it's yeah. Dude, it's people get, yeah people get stuck in that 
man. People get stuck in, in a rut. And that's like, that's the people that, you know, you find when they're, when you, when you get your job and you talk to other people who've been there for 10, 12, 14 years, and they're like, just depressed about everything. They're like, ah, don't even worry about talking to that person because it won't change anything. There's nothing that's going to happen. Like they just like, they, they do their thing, they leave, they go home, you know, and a lot of those people, it seems like the people that I meet that have been at a job for forever that they don't necessarily like, but it's a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, like they just never, they never took that leap. And they, I, I feel like they regret it. They may, may not tell you that, but I feel like deep down they, they regret it. So I, I, I applaud you for that, man. I applaud you for making that, that leap and taking that risk. What was the, what was the major barrier or what were some of the major barriers to you doing this sooner? Was it all financial based or were there other barriers that you had to look at? Yeah, there was a couple barriers. Um, We purchased our own building uh, this past spring. So, you know, I've talked about this a lot and different uh, from different angles, but I'll, if, if you want, I'll just kind of, spill it out to where it kind of all started. So yeah. um, when this spring uh, we got to the point where, so we've always done the podcast out of, I'm trying to think of like where to start this. So we've always done the podcast out of my house. Um, I used to live in a little town called Sherrard, Illinois, and we had this small bedroom. It was pretty much a cl- like a large closet. And <laughs> we, we started off in lawn chairs with like $20 music mart mics and just sh- just shitty equipment, but it worked, right? We had fun. We learned as we went. And then um, I moved to a little town called New Windsor, Illinois. And one of the extra bedrooms I had in my house was a little bigger. So we <laughs> refinished it before we like fully moved the studio in and like put a cool wood wall up and did the paint and got our new studio monitor and upgraded some mics. And now we're like, yeah, we're big time. Cool. We got a new place. Like when one of us has got to pee, we don't all have to stand up and walk out of the room so the one person can get out and go pee and come back like it was before. So we're like, yeah, man, this is great. Well, then it gets to the point where I'm having another kid on the way and I'm like, shit, now this is going to become a nursery. Let's build a Morton building on my property. I will parcel out a piece of my property and sell it to the podcast and we will build a Morton building. We'll do a little bit of cold storage and the whole back of it. We'll do a little kitchenette with a studio room and like a bunk. So somebody can stay if they needed. Well, then as you know, everything went up in price with all the, uh, everything going on. It was going to be like an insane amount of money to put up this building. Like we were putting stakes and everything out, like how the building would lay out. And I'm like getting quotes from companies and all this stuff. Realize insane amount of money made sense but not a hundred percent so we're kind of like man what do we do well there was a little hair salon in town in new windsor illinois on the downtown and it's been for sale for a long time and i had a mutual friend with the seller so i'm like hey i'd like to just go look at that and see and we went and looked at it and i'm like man this could work we had to do a ton of work to it to get to be like a podcast studio then eric and i left after looking at it. i'm like man why don't we why don't we see if we can pull this off and long story short, ended up working out. We bought this old hair salon, turned it into, uh, I've been calling it, uh, I need to like, we don't really have a name for it yet. We said we we're going to name it. We just call it the studio. Um, but it's a bow hunters podcast, like fantasy factory on a very, like what I would consider a working class scale. Like we have a studio, we have a bedroom, we have a, a bar entertainment area. We have a kitchen. We got, of course, a bathroom and stuff. So now we have a facility yeah, yeah. to do what we do in. So before I never had a spot to go 
and get away from the house to actually like get work done or have out of town guests over to where we can host them and have them stay overnight and just, we can do more here. You know, we can, we yeah. can have a production at this building, which is a dream come true. Never would have thought we had it. Um, in the process of buying this before we closed, my dad passed away. Like my dad knew about the building. My dad was so stoked. I could not believe it. He, I don't even, my dad actually never even stepped foot in this building, but he knew we were buying it. And then my dad passed away. Like my dad passed away. We closed on this building like two days later. So I'm like, at that point, I'm in like this weird, depressed, like, but excited mode. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like as we hit, uh, once this, we bought this building, like our growth grew a lot. I think because people looked at it a little different, but I'm rambling here. I'm, I'm sorry, but no, no, no. I, I like the story. Continue. But with my dad passing and that happened, it was just, I got me in a weird mindset. I felt like my brain was being pulled in two different ways of like happy. And of course my life just changed, you know, I just got dumped in my head. On. So, uh, but when my dad passing away and then now having this facility with my dad passing, it made me realize like how precious and short life really is. And, you know, my, I consider my dad to be a young guy and I'm like, man, I need to do what I want to do while I'm here. And that's kind of what prompted it to be like, I'm going on a bear hunt this year. I'm going on a mule deer hunt this year. If I can do a lion hunt, we're going. It, you know what I mean? Because I'm wanting to like live up those experiences. But so basically, get to what was holding me back was not having a facility, not really realizing how short life was, and yes, financially. Um, and I did my best and this year to check those boxes to make it to where I can do this full time and see where we can take it. Yeah. Long answer. But I figured that's the buildup of where my mindset was. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it, I mean, it gives you a lot of background and detail because there's a lot of people who like want to jump into the outdoor industry. I mean, that's like probably one of the number one questions, you know, uh, like a Levi Morgan or an Aaron Snyder or, you know, whomever is already there, the juries that they get. Like, how do you get there? Right. Yeah. Because a lot of people want to just hunt for a living and there's a lot of, a lot of no one just hunts for a living honestly exactly if anybody has that in their head you got to rethink that because no one just only hunts for a living there's a lot of business behind the scenes that they don't see well yeah you need to yeah you need you i mean unless you want to live on a thousand bucks a year from summer work or something like that or a couple grand a year and live out of your car then you could probably hunt for a living but um, you'd have to like i yeah i don't know how you how you'd pay any bills like how you get a cell and it's all the it's all the benign stuff like having a cell phone or having running water or Mm -hmm. you know being able to buy some bread like that's all the stuff that uh all those little expenses that add up to you know five six seven hundred bucks a month a month that you need just to keep going and if you want to have right and if you want to have tree stands then you need more money if you want to have climbing sticks you know a bow arrows broadheads you break an arrow you there's just so yep. much that that people don't think about that that has to be done. Well, there's a lot too. And and when I made the transition, like, yeah, it's not like, yep, I'm going by John Deere. See you later. It's been good. Like, that's kind of like a, oh fuck, can I make this work? Like, what if this happens? What if this happens? People are gonna think this. People are gonna say this and all this stuff. But I wanted to make the move when I felt like the time was right, when we have momentum behind us, and I wanted to make the move to where I feel like I would have the least amount of financial life change or burden as possible. Um, and I don't make a ton of money. Honestly, I don't, but I make enough money to where I think I can be happy and still support my family. Um, 
because if I wanted to be rich, you know what I would have done? I would have just worked overtime at my other job and cushed up that pension and cushed up my 401k and then told everyone how good I was doing and that I was going to retire at 55. And you know, the, the typical corporate, what everyone tells you you should do type thing. Right. Um, but I just wanted to do what I want to do and, and what I'm passionate about while I'm here. So yeah, yeah dude, that's, that's the way that I, my opinion, how old are you, Kurt? 31. Yeah. So I'm 31 too. And I, uh, I made a job change a year and a half ago and I have never been happier, um, with job change. I I'm not in the outdoor industry at all, but mm. the company I work for is phenomenal. The people I work with are great. Um, the opportunity to make a lot of money is good. And I set my own schedule, run my own stuff. So everything's good. And it was a huge leap for me. Cause I had a lot of, I had very, very good job security at my old job. Uh, I had very decent, pretty good pay, you know, 80, 80 grand a year, you know, making good money. Um, and this company was like, Hey, you're going to, you could make less, but you could make a lot more. It just depends on how you work. Cause it's all sales and commission based. Right. So ended up making the leap and, and doing pretty well. And I, 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 I appreciate it. And maybe in five years, I'll be where you're at, uh, right now, you know, that's what I'm thinking anything is possible and and a lot of people that like to judge online you know it's like man you can do this like why don't you go fucking do it right you know what i mean is what it's, <laughs> if people are like man I'm like you fucking do it then like yeah. you know it's i ate shit sandwiches for a while with this and you know <laughs> you put out episodes and you see that there's four downloads on it and you're like wow no one's ever going to sponsor us or pay us anything with four <laughs> downloads you know what i mean it's just yeah, it's the grind. You know, that's the beautiful thing about life in general. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. You just have to really want to do it. Right. Um, and you gotta find a cliche way to sounding. Yeah. But I don't know. I didn't have no one bought us to help me like make my living doing this. Like it's yep. you just what it is is be a good person, be consistent in what you do, care about what you do, build the relationships in your business, and if it all lines up. Maybe you could do something with it, but if not, that's, I don't know, man, that's just how, how it rolls. You, you roll the dice with life and I'm just out here raw dog in life right now. (laughs) Hell yeah. Dude, get after it. Yeah, for sure. All right. So, um, you mentioned that you got a, like you had a new kid on the way. So yeah, you had a baby boy in August, right? Yeah. Uh, late July, late July, August. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how is, was that impactful? Like, was that like, oh shit, now I need to work another year or do were you like, oh, I'm still going to make this leap. Cause I imagine you were thinking about it in August already. Yeah. I mean, it was on the radar for sure. We just, uh, it wasn't a hundred percent. Um, it's actually that leads into it. So yeah, of course you're like, man, you need, I need these certain things that my day job provides for my kids and stuff, as far as like insurance, healthcare, whatever, all that, yeah. you know, you got to make that's all, make sure that's all good. And it's just a lot cheaper if you have a big corporation paying for the birth of your kid for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? uh, but yeah, yeah, of course, like that's a major concern, you know, two kids and a little boy on the way. We didn't know he, you know, we didn't find out the gender, which is fun. But, um, but what I did was I took a leave of absence for a little bit from work. Um, it's, I just took a, honestly, FMLA. It's yeah. family medical leave act. It's something that uh, at my job, we don't get any time off for something like that. You got to take vacation. And I had already taken vacation 
for uh when my dad passed away i kind of I, I honestly like i think i think it's normal it's like i went into a kind of like a slumber for a while there and took time off and like just didn't didn't have any motivation for anything when my dad passed but um so when my son was born i took fmla time and i just took straight 12 weeks off unpaid just again raw dog in life yeah. and uh went for it and it was kind of like the test run before the official, Hey, I'm out, mm -hmm. um, notice. And I was like doing, I'm like, man, I'm fine. Like I can do this. And it, it, so it was a good test run and I got to spend more time with my family, which is really important, especially with what yeah. uh, we went through this year with my old man and stuff like that. But, um, so yeah, it's, uh, but anyway, his name's Clyde. It's, he's been a blessing, man. So that's awesome. I'm fortunate. Everything's working out so far and but I'm not too far into doing this for a living. This could all collapse, <laughs> you know, that's what, the, that's yeah. also to be a hundred percent honest with you. That's a little scary too, because that's what people want to talk to me about right now. And, and, you know, Aaron Blysey brought up me doing it for a living and ATA. Everyone's like, Hey man, you heard you congrats full time. I'm like, fuck, if I, if I tank this thing in three months <laughs> and then I'm like back at John Deere, everyone's going to be like, wow, dude, that was fast. Fuck that up. But <laughs> it's, that's what's scary about it. It's like, man, I'm like, I'm so honest about what I talk about on our podcast that I kind of leave myself subject to just be criticized yeah. for moves I make or mistakes I make that might seem obvious from a third point point of view. Yeah. Again. Yeah. I, I can see that, but at the same time, like, you know, and, and obviously I've, I've thought about it as well. Like what would it take for me to go full time and, and start doing this? I, <clears throat> my family structure, like, Essentially, my my wife is very hesitant on that. She really likes the the security blanket. She really likes that. Um, yeah. So and and she also like, I don't, her her and I need to we work through like every hunting trip. It's like, well, how long are you going to be gone for? When are you going to be home? When are you leaving? Like, when mm. do I have the kids? What's what's the situation like with daycare? What's school like? You know, yada yada yada. So, um. But the, I don't even, where the hell was I going with that? You need a supportive wife to chase a passion. I think you do. Yes. Yeah. Do. Well, you need a supportive wife, but you also, yeah. I mean, and you need the, you need the ability to say like, if I fail, like I can always bartend, I can always go get a job and There's make money some available. money. Right. There's money available yeah. everywhere. I mean, what people are hiring for 15, 20, I could work at Walmart for 22 bucks an hour. Like, that's fine. We like, that's very livable wage. Yeah. You, know? you can get by. I mean, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. And I've been saying it too, is like to kill big bucks. You, you can't kill big bucks. If your wife sucks, that's what I was saying. And I, and that's true <laughs> in, a, in a lot of different instances, but true. you can't chase a passion. If you're married, if your wife sucks and right. not every passion is worth chasing. Um, especially if you ask your wife probably, but my wife's rad and I'm very fortunate that she supports my hunting. Now I'm not saying that she doesn't get burnt out on what I'm doing. You know, it's like yeah. this trade show season, we're hitting pretty hard because the exposure and, and there is money to be made at these shows and the, and like just the connection, we like to connect with our listening base and we can do that at these shows At the end of this show season, I'm probably going to be a little burnout. My wife's for sure going to be burnout. Um, but it's part of the gig now. Right. Just like if work was like, Hey, you got to travel every weekend for three months. 
you'd be like, shit, I don't want to do it. But I'd rather if I'm like, Hey, I have to travel every week for three months for the business and some growth, then I'm going to do it. Cause it's for me, not for John Deere. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. I agree. And I think, I think it's, um, I, I would agree. And I'm not saying that my wife sucks. <laughs> by yeah, any I wasn't means. trying to apply that. Your no, wife sucks either, by, but. Uh, yeah. But I would also, I would, I would add to that, that like it's inner, it's interesting in my own life is if I'm like, Hey hon, I got to go to St. Louis for, for three days. She's like, okay, cool. And if I say, Hey hon, I got to go chase a big buck for three days. Really? Why did, why can't you just do one? Can't you do two? But if yeah. there's money involved, I think that makes the switch. And it's like, Hey, do we want an income? Yes. Okay. I need to go here for these three days. Right. Yeah. And, and having that understanding um, and going back and forth. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a lot of, uh, I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of like somewhat pressure on you, but it's all in, it, in, it's all invisible. And I, and I think it's in your own head because the majority of people aren't even ballsy enough to make the jump. You know, I would, I, yeah. I, res, I respect people far more for trying and failing than not trying at all. Right. Yeah. I, I appreciate that mindset. And yeah, you're right. You're right. Probably. But I just, uh, I talk about what I'm feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. A lot of times. So yep. just being, I'm just transparent, but you and know, there's always, little... there's always a fallback, man. There's always, there's always the ability yeah. to, like I said, get a job at Walmart part-time and still run, you know still what? Run working class. I'll just be a drug dealer, man. And <laughs> just hunt. Dude, there's, there, there's too much money in dealing drugs though. Well, <laughs> there's too much money. You, you know what I mean? It's I got my hands tattooed so I could, that's a backup plan to become a drug dealer. So I can hunt <laughs> white tails as much as possible. <laughs> perfect um all right well okay switching gears switching gears again um the bucks you got this year do yeah. you want to can we hear about one story about one of the bucks either muley or one of the whitetails yeah i mean you t- i'll let you whatever one you want to hear about man i'm i like them all so <laughs> um all right so the muley was out west with clint right yeah, um, uh, me and Clint, and my buddy Devin Leonard, went out to Western okay. Wyoming. Yes, yes, I remember yep. that. Okay, the other, the other, there, the first whitetail was kind of like an, an, was it an October whitetail? Yeah, October twenty first. Okay, where was that at? Um, here at home in Illinois. Okay, and then the other one was like mid November. You got December, December fourth in uh, Illinois, more south of where I'm at, a little ways. Okay. Oh yeah. You guys get two bucks in that state. Yeah. Ah, I got to start. I, Wisconsin's only one buck. I know that sucks, no, but it's no, also no, good no. to a point in a way. Yes. Um, all right. Let's hear the October 21st. Let's hear that one. Yeah, man. So this buck um, was a deer that I had in mind, but okay. So it's kind of confusing. I had pictures of this buck last year and a neighbor that I talked to had some pictures and some trail cam video and, uh, he, he was a buck that showed up like mid October and I had pictures of him all through. Oh, to when he shed, shed his antlers. He was real cool. Gnarly, real big buck. Like I'd say 80 high eighties, 90 class type buck. Okay. And, uh, I was waiting for him to show back up in that mid October time frame, and hadn't had, I had a lot of, uh, trocam pictures. This is a newer property that I just got access to and, uh, hadn't had any pictures of him. So I thought, and this deer had half his ear chopped off. However, happened, I don't know. So I named him Battle Axe. I thought it was funny. Yeah. And uh, real, I was sitting there October 21st, and I hear a deer blow at me. 
in a spot where I can't see. I was down in a creek bottom, so I think the wind was swirling a little bit. And I'm like, what the hell? And I look up on the hill out from me, and I see this big, tall time buck, um, like big twos, big threes, dark chocolate rack, making a scrapes. So I don't know if he blew at me and then just forgot about it and was making a scrape. Well, then I see him walking away. And you know when you watch a deer walk away through like your binos, he looks like way bigger. Yeah. Oh, I'm I've like, done that before. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh shit. Like that's a, that was a stud. And I don't think I know that buck. You know, I don't have I don't think I have any trail cam pictures of him. I'd have to check. So I message our friend group. I'm like, I just saw a buck. If he's an eight, he's in the 160s. If he's a 10, he's 170. I don't know. So, but he went away. And so I'm sitting down and I'm like, all right, well be nice that you're just busting me but then he made a scrape so i don't know if he's like scared or what but he walked off well 25 minutes later out in front of me a little to my left three does pop out of this trail and i'm like cool well the last one is like looking back into the trail and i'm like there's got to be another deer coming i wasn't even thinking even though it just happened prior that that deer walked away but he went the other direction i wasn't even thinking that that deer could pop up right there after just like the weird circumstance and then boom, here he is. He pops out. He checks the does. I threw a real subtle grunt at him and he looked and then went back to what he was doing. So my God, I got his interest. So I hit him with another, just one single grunt. He looked, turned, made a scrape, came down into the food plot. I had, I had a little, like, um, I manufactured my own plot. So I made it shaped like, uh, kind of like an old school, like landline telephone, with like two bulbs on the end and like sure. inches down. Yeah. just to try and get deer to pinch down to me. I, that's a tip Austin Chandler taught me. So I'm like, or, uh, you know, something he taught me as a farmer and, you know, farming for deer. So that deer came into there and I draw back, let it go. I'm giving you the real condensed version to a point. Yeah. yeah. And just, uh, I, he was quartering to me a little more than I thought smoked him. Um, and basically recover him. I'm like, man, that's an awesome buck. I don't know this deer. So I get him hauled up. I get him back at the house and I'm talking to Chandler on the phone. I'm like, dude, this buck's good. And I haven't measured him yet. He's like, that buck's gotta be one sixties all day. He goes, do you think that's battle axe? And I'm like, nah, I don't know. Cause battle axe, he had like a, a third beam with some junk on it and some kickers and a bunch of other just crazy stuff all over him. And this deer's big, but not as big as the previous year. Well, I grab his ear and look and part of his ears missing. I'm like, Oh, this is battle axe. I didn't even <laughs> know it until he had said something and uh here i got him right here if you uh, yeah, yeah. video call but i was like man it's cool to shoot this deer not knowing i really shot him i thought he was a mystery buck and i actually don't have any trail cam pictures of him at all for this year that i know of i maybe there's one hidden somewhere that i didn't pay attention to but yeah. um he went 166 and six eights um as a nine pointer with some junk on his base so yeah so it was good for everybody listening uh kurt's got kurt's got the the rack right in front of him there the the rest of him's at the mount it's just the skull and up um but yeah dude it's a beautiful nine with his left side has about three or four uh points right on his brow tines like kickers right in there yeah, i think that is base total i on the score sheet in front of me i think he has like nine inches of abnormal just on that base it's kind of yeah. deceiving and a lot of that i didn't even notice until I recovered him, and there was actually a point hidden when we skull capped him out. I discovered I thought it was just like part of his burr, yeah. Um, but when we skinned him out, he actually had another three inch point that wrapped around, and it's honestly it had to have hurt really bad because 
looking at it now between the top of the skull and that point, it, it's like maybe three eighths of an inch from like going into his skull. And you, I don't even know how, like, it just had to have been painful. It had to have just been pressure on the top of his yeah. skull cap. So Jeez. maybe I did him a favor and it was full of pus probably for that reason. Oh man. Yeah. I bet. I bet it dug into him. And especially when he fought, if he fought at all, like I'm sure that hurt like a mother. It had to have. And it was one, like you couldn't get your finger underneath it in between the hair and that point. If you wanted to, I didn't, I didn't even really pay attention to it because I didn't think it was a point like it was. It's very yeah. strange, but huh. real unique. So that's to get it done October 21st on a big buck like that, man. I was, yeah. I was thrilled. So, okay. Yeah. I got a few questions for you on that hunt. Um, so you're kind of in a, in a Creek bottom, you said, right? Yeah. There's like a pinch in there where there's like a culvert. Um, and I put that food plot in there to hunt that culvert and also to have it like pinched. It's hard to explain. It's like a slightly rolling on each side of this Creek. So it's not real. The banks aren't real steep coming down to it. Um, and the deer just naturally like funnel in through there. So I just added a little bit of benefit to their funnel to get them to come through it with the food and how I mowed and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So you had that kind of, kind of set up and then you dropped in that food plot. Um, and I'm assuming, like you said, it's kind of like in, in the shape of a phone or like a horseshoe or like a half you or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. Are you sitting right in the middle where it trims down? Yep. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So then you said the, the wind was kind of swirling down in that bottom or it must've been and this buck was up on uh you were looking up at him so he was up on the ridge yeah he was out from me on the south of me to where it like slightly sloped up okay and then it just eventually gets to the point where like several hundred yards out he's eye level with me but but he can't see me i'm looking through like a pocket of trees gotcha it's a real hard to explain unique setup yeah no i mean it's okay it is kind of, I'm trying to visualize it in my own head, but then you're seeing him out at this distance. Did you know that scrape was there or is that like a brand new scrape that he just made? I knew it was there. Yeah. Okay. And, Got and it. what I think what saved me it is actually that day. I don't always ride in that path. My bike, I ride, ride my e-bike in and I rode over, not over the scrape, but right by the scrape. Whereas I think if I would have walked with my feet on the ground by that, I think it could have went a lot differently. Yeah. It's from laying ground. That is, that is something that I, I want to touch on. I want to finish this story, but I have some personal questions about the e-bike. Yeah. Um, so then, okay. So he made a scrape you think, and you're pretty sure he blew at you, but mm-hmm. he just was just like, whatever. Like I smell something funny, nothing ran, whatever. And yeah. he, maybe he just got a real quick whiff of you and he didn't, he didn't necessarily know, or he didn't care. I, I don't know, honestly. Um, I'm, it would have to be that deer. I mean, I'm pretty, I know people can say what they want, but I try to hunt the wind as best as possible. I'm pretty good at getting down on human sin as much as possible, whether, you know, mostly ozone, you know, we use scent crusher sure. pretty heavily. Um, and I think just me not, breaking a sweat riding in you know what i mean getting to the front yeah. of the property and riding my bike in now i think if i would have used ozone and went in scent free as possible you're never a hundred percent scent free we all know that um but if you can use it to your advantage i think it's probably worth it in this case it was worth it i think yeah. um but i think if i would have walked in and got sweaty and you know what i mean it, it might have went different i don't know you know you never right. really know for sure but 
a big mature buck. I think this buck was six and a half or seven and a half. Actually, I know him to be a, at least a six and a half for fact. Um, it's just hard to get by deer like that. Yeah. So, and yeah, I don't know. After they blow on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the wind was, I like to hunt that spot when the wind's more consistent because I think it pushes through from like swirling and stuff on me. Um, Cause it's not like real steep banks where the winds go diving down and coming up and doing weird shit. It's not that steep. It's very gradual, but the wind, there was like almost no wind that day um, where I was at. So that kind of got to be like, oh shit, I'd like a little more wind here to make my wind consistent because sure. I think when the wind's that light, then down in that bottom, it'll do some squirrely stuff. Um, right. So I prefer to be a little stronger than what it was, but end up working out. So it's hard to complain. Yeah, no, I, I agree that the bottom, like, so I hunt bottoms as well, like Creek bottoms. Mm. And I'm always like trying to figure out the perfect conditions to hunt these bottoms. Cause, um, cause like you say, the wind can get super squirrely and I try to get mm. scent free, but I'm not, I'm not, I like, I leave my clothes outside, but I, I just know that I, that I stink in general. My wife tells me that all the time. Right, so it's, just, <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, like, I'm just like, all right, I'm not going to fight that. I'm just going to try to play the wind as best I can. And Creek bottoms have, have blown me up a few times. So I really try to not hunt them unless, mm -hmm. unless the wind is totally dead calm and I can count on a thermal drop in the morning yeah. or a thermal yeah. uprise in the afternoon or something. But other than that, like I, I try to stay out, but I have still seen like it do some squirrely, some real squirrely stuff, especially when those thermals start changing at like nine, 10 in the morning and it starts flipping and you get updraft, downdraft, left, right, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, okay. The buck walks away. Then he, it's pos entirely possible. He kicked a few of them does up and then they're the ones who ran to you and he came after them a little bit. Maybe one was smelling a little heat. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe something like that, but what I liked about this, I learned a lot about how deer use that ground because I have another stand, like where the way he went, I had another pre-hung stand and I'm like, man, if I was over there, I was playing that game. I would have yeah, yeah. maybe got a shot at him, but now knowing what they did and after hunting that property for a full season and kind of just being observant on how deer use it, what trails are using, um, what he did makes a lot of sense. So I think going into this next season, I'll know a little more, um, on maybe been a little more calculated. I would say, give me two years on a piece. If I get time to actually, or have a reason to dedicate a season to hunting that, then I can figure some shit out pretty quick, but you know, each of is different. So yeah. um, they're always throwing something at you, which is, that's, what's fun about it. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you get, you get lucky like this. They blow on you to come back. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. good shot on him. He dumped and, and there's the recovery. And that was, yeah. Was that your first, how many hunts have you had on that property that year? Um, so I was hunting a different deer. So this was my number one, buck from knowing him a previous year, but I was hunting a different deer that I discovered, um, that has been missing for a while. So I, I, I think I, was, I hunted a ghost until I tagged out on my other deer, but, um, so I, I'd hunt other, I had hunted other sits on this piece for a different deer specifically, um, and I, and it was, I hunted the most I've ever hunted early in the season because I was on a deer. If I wouldn't have been on a deer on an average year, I might've had, I mean, basically just weekend sits in probably, or if there was like a, uh, something that like a cold front or, you know, something unique to make me go hunting. Uh, yeah. but at this point I'd hunted a lot more than I normally do in early October, like 
been out a lot. So like, I don't know. Like 10 sets. I mean, it's October 21st season opens the first. Yeah. I'd say 10 sets. Yeah. Roughly. Okay. I need to keep track of that stuff just for my own personal like logging, but um, I don't know. I roughly in there, okay. I was making moves on that other deer uh, pretty aggressively um, and never actually never bumped them out. Um, I think, I, I don't know what happened. I, I heard rumor that somebody had shot him, but I don't, it's a loose rumor and you know how that goes. Yeah. Um, you hear, you hear the whatever county gear hunting and rumors, but um, yeah, I hunted more aggressively than normal. Okay. And never, yeah, never got to look at them. Um, but I mean, still that goes to, that goes to show that you can, you can push in, you can have uh, yeah. a pretty aggressive hunt and still come out with even something else, you know, that never, yeah, yeah. that you never saw. I think a For lot sure. of people are afraid to do that. Like they're afraid to put pressure. Um, yeah. Well, I, you know, yeah, I was putting pressure on, I almost killed the deer I was after twice. I almost killed them on the 12th and I almost killed them five days later. Um, drew back on him twice. It just, it was just one of those things, no matter what I did, I would get in his wheelhouse and it would never work out. And that's part of the fun of it. It's part of the yeah. frustration of it. But I, I really, I emphasized on entry and exit as low pressure as possible because this property is not, it's not easily. It's if I want to hunt the, the far end of the ground from the, from the, the bottom end of the ground, it kind of fucks me altogether. Like I have to run through the property to get to the North end of it. So making those moves was really challenging. I had to, man, I don't know how many times I called my buddy, Austin, my buddy, Todd Ross to just like, dude, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Like double check my game plans because I was so concerned about entry and exit pressure. Um, there was times where I would hunt a certain piece, see the deer I was hunting off in the distance before dark and thought there's a chance he could work to me after dark or as I'd be getting down. And I would get down an hour, two hours before daylight and slip out to avoid bumping the deer. Cause I knew where he was at in the moment. I didn't want to take a chance of bumping him on the exit and boogering him off onto a neighbor's or pressuring him out of the area. So, I mean, I bet you I did that five or six times early season of, of probably those 10 sits uh, okay. was bailing out of the tree early, getting the Intel I needed, knowing it's not going to happen, getting down and right. getting the fuck out of there to make a move another day. Yeah. That's a hard, that's a hard thing to do. It's hard to do, but man, I felt like I was doing the right thing. You know, well, well, it, yeah. I mean, you it never ended up killing closer that deer, to that deer. What's that? You never ended up killing that deer though. Right? Nope. Nope. I don't know. It's uh, I think he's dead. Chandler thinks he's still alive and he thinks I'll find him up during shed season. Um, and then I got another buddy who's like 50, 50, who knows what's I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're playing it safe. I was like, I think he's dead though. Yeah. Well, Chandler's guy, I mean, he's got a few bucks that like disappear for, you know, four or five months at a time. And then all of a sudden swings back in. Well, that's what he's telling me. He's like, dude, these deer do crazy things, man. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know they do. <laughs> damn i don't want to have my hopes up too high like if he shows back up that'd be great but it's yeah. you know it's uh at the end of the day it's a deer it'd be cool right. if he, it'd be, you know if he wants to show back up and drop his sheds where i can find him i'm all in man that'd be great but <laughs> we'll see if he made right. it he'll be a mondo give you some more frustration to the puzzle <laughs> yeah yeah that just adds to the story though you know what i mean it makes it more fun right yeah exactly oh that's awesome well cool man so the the e-bike i gotta so that is something that we have a problem with as well. The same thing that you mentioned about getting all the way to the other side of the property um, and trying not to 
trying to do as little disturbance as possible. And it's something that I'm, I'm trying to rework this year because the trail system, the property that we bought already had a trail system built into it, but it was mm. more of a recreational trail system. So it cuts right through the heart of the property and then goes all the way to the, to the far end. Mm. Um, and I use that plenty this year. Um, and I was kind of hunting the heart of the property because there's a, a major funnel right in the center of the property um kind of a little actually a little bit further past center so you got to walk through the property to get to this funnel and i hunted it you know like i said a a few times and i think one of my piece and and as i did that i saw like early season i saw trail cameras pretty close to the entrance of the property We're, we're doing pretty well but as season wore on and I moved in further and further, those trail cameras mm. got worse and worse. Right. I mean, it was very, it was predictable and it was what I kind of expected, but at the same time, I, it was the only way to get to those funnels in, you know, late October, early November. And, yeah. and so then my question became like, okay, how can I do this more effectively? And like, one of my thoughts was like an e-bike it's faster. Yeah. I don't have to walk up and down these Hills, which causes sweat. And it leaves less ground scent. So yeah. I, I reached out to, to a buddy who's got one. And I said, Hey man, what do you think of that e-bike? Like, was it worth the, the 1500, two grand that you spent or, or what? And he's like, it is, but mine is breaking a lot. So I have to do a lot of repairs on it and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I kind of shied away from it, but now I'm like, I'm kind of reconsidering it. Cause I looked at a bunch of different brands now and, and I've read a, a lot of reviews and I'm, I'm, thinking I might save up for it for this fall, but yeah, tell me your, your experience. So I probably sound like a broken record at this point because I've talked about it so much. It's just one of those products that are tools, I guess, um, that you don't feel that you need it and it's easy to laugh at, but until you use it and use it on your hunts and use it, how it needs to be applied, you realize like, Oh shit, this is really beneficial. And I think, you know, if your buddy spent 1500 two grand, I hate to say it on an e-bike, that's really cheap for an e-bike. Um, and they're, they are expensive. I get that they are, but I know guys that ride their four wheeler all over their property before they hunt to check trail cams and do all that stuff, which some people argue, well, deer don't care about four wheelers. Yeah, maybe they don't, but I would ride my bike up to a trail cam, check it and zip off. And I've cruised right by big bucks that I've seen bedded in CRP and stuff like that. And actually, did a spot in stock from, you know, park the e-bike and then did a spot in stock and it ended up not shooting the deer. Um, but it, they're just, man, they're so, I, I guess what you can do with them now with the accessories being made and all that for them, um, you can really apply it to anything you need, but I, I think it's worth it. Um, you can slip in and out quietly. Um, you can ride right up to your stand. Uh, what I did, I would basically stay on the bike as long as I could until I got up to a point where I could dump the bike into like some brush or some grass and then hop in, up, hop up in my tree. Um, right. So it eliminated a lot of deer getting weird about ground scent. Um, and they're just a ton of fun also. Do you, people, yeah. Do you think it helps keep pressure off? Do you think 1, that? thousand percent. Okay. Like not a doubt in my mind. I think if I would have been walking everything that I rode this season, I don't think I would have had, I don't think I would have seen the same amount of deer and I don't think I could have gotten the same areas um, as sneaky as I did. Okay. Got it. So you I, have, I think com- what, yeah, 1000% com- okay. without a fucking doubt. It helped. Like I'll just say it. And we don't even work. We don't even have an e-bike partner we're working with now. We did last year and it was great. 
but some things changed. So we're free agents in the e-bike game. So I'll say like, get, get into what you can afford, but also consider a bike with, with good components. Cause that is a problem. A lot of guys break like derailers and have gearing issues and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And I found when you get an e-bike find on your property that you hunt the most, the mountain bike gear, cause you can ship it like a mountain bike, find the, the mid range gear that you can pedal or shift the least. Um, so like once I found the gear I liked, I never shift it, shifted it. Cause you can get grass caught up in your gearing system and stuff like that. And it can kick ah. your chain out and then you're fucking around with it. Um, I found the, the mid range mountain bike gear that I liked that I could pedal to get up hills. If, some, if my motor happened to die or whatever. And then, uh, you can motor through like a little electric dirt bike with the, with the battery. And, yeah. uh, that's how I went about it. I never shifted it. I kept it in that like mid range gear and, Man, you can come flying out of there out of that property at night with has a little headlight if you want to run that. And uh I've rode right past deer. And I feel like <laughs> I was telling my buddy, but I rode right past the deer uh after a morning hunt and zipped past it. It was uh there's like a CRP patch on a piece I hunt and it was standing in there. And I swear the deer was like, What the hell is that when I zip past it? <laughs> so you kind of have like the the quietness that you need, and you have like the you know when you can like drive by deer in your car and they they seem to not give a shit. Yeah, there's kind of like that type of uh, benefit to it sure. as well. So, yeah. okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean you make me you make me consider it more and more. <laughs> Here, here's what I would say: with what, they what are you now for an e bike like the trailers and accessories and, haul, yeah. and haulers to get deer out? If I was on the fence about buying a four thousand dollar four wheeler or a $4,000 e-bike, if it was for hunting use only, I'd go e-bike all day. Okay. That's fair. Do you, yeah, I guess you'd, you'd throw the deer like on one of those carts or you'd make a cart or something to do yeah. that in order to get it out. But, or you could just come back with a four wheeler if you had one yeah. of those sitting at the house or something like that. So I have a side-by-side Okay, and I have an e-bike. I use that e-bike. I hunted one day without my e-bike for whitetails okay so oh, I, yeah, I, I, could, I mean yeah i could see like if i had it i would always use it yeah right? but when, like, when there's no reason that, not to i use my side by side three times probably all season okay. for hunting whitetails hauling deer out one was hauling, <laughs> hauling the buck out that i killed and the other one was to get a hay bale blind down into a certain spot gotcha okay so no that's that's cool um all right well yeah you're making me considering that so a couple other couple other questions here real quick any what is the i got a few questions here that i just wanted to, to throw your way at we're close to an hour here um so and i know i know you got all the things that you got to get ready for your nebraska trip and all that and i'm gonna rambling so sorry about that <laughs> yeah so um what would be what do you think the the biggest change is going to be for you uh, now that you're full time in in your hunting season? What's the biggest change? Um, I think now I'm allowed to, I I can I can control what I do and how productive I am in a day for what projects I need to get done. So I think when it comes to like for these shows, you know, like in preparation for the these shows back to back to back, um, I can work more on the front end of these to be able to get other things accomplished. So. I think when it comes to hunting, if I know I have a trip or I know I need to do something on a certain day or have a game plan, I can bust my ass twice as hard on 
on the on the build up to a trip or uh, a cold front. I know if it's coming out this week or whatever, I can do things to allow myself to take advantage of those a little more by just working harder and cr- doing cramming in work to get it done. If, if that's what you mean, yeah. um, was before with John Deere. I was almost felt like I was imprisoned to just be there for my minimum of an eight hours a day. And yeah. all I could think about is how I wanted to be hunting or be doing my work for myself. Um, so I think that that'll be the big advantage is I can get stuff done at my own pace or my own schedule in preparation for some of the hunts or cold fronts or whatever it might be. Yeah. 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 And, and have, yeah. And have that, uh, have that, 10 day forecast up and be like, all right, looks like I'm haunting, you know, next week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, what do I need to get done so I can make that happen? Right. Deercast is going to be an app that is going to move to the top of the phone. Um, (laughs) Front page, man. Yeah. Front page on on Deercast there. So I I utilize that app a lot, to be honest with you. For sure. I, this is the first year that I utilized it and it was, I don't have the numbers, Another thing I got to track, but I would say like of the times Deercast said great, I I would say like eighty to ninety percent I saw deer, right? yeah, in my locations. So yeah, and you I mean, have those guys online. They're like Deercast said bad, but I saw a deer. It's like well, it's Mark Jury can't predict every time a deer gets up on your property. So just think critically <laughs> right. for yourself though, too, bro. Mark yeah. Mark Jury can't think for you as well. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, and it's like yeah, it's one of those things that 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 stacks odds it's all playing odds like what are the odds that the deer are going to move today it doesn't it's not a surety like you could have a great day and not see anything or you could have a piss poor day and and see the biggest buck on your property maybe a coyote bumped him oh you never know like there's nothing you can maybe a guy on an e-bike bumped him you don't know maybe maybe some dick was out trying out his e-bike on the neighboring property but you know, if you have limited vacation days and you see there's a major cold front and Deercast has got all the breakdowns of barometric pressure, the wind direction, all this stuff for yeah. October 21st to the 26th, and you have days you want to burn for vacation. Maybe those are the days your highest odds of success could be on those days. So just something to think yeah. about. That's all. Oh yeah, for sure. And for for me, the reason I got into the cell camera game as well as like really started looking at Deercast was um, it helped me have confidence in uh, the amount of time I'm taking away from the family. Yeah. Right. So like, if you want to only hunt your, your best odd day, your odds where the odds are in your favor, that's, that's how I was utilizing those cell cams. And cause it yep. just limits the amount of time. Like I don't have to spend a week when I have South winds and rain coming through, right. Or yep. whatever. So sure. yeah, that flex time. Um, all right. Here's a, here's another question. If you had to pick one person from the working class bow hunter team, to shoot a 200 inch deer at 70 yards with their bow, who are you going to pick? It's t- to pick one person is tough. You can pick yourself too. Um, I wouldn't pick myself. <laughs> um, you know, it's between right off the bat, like percentage wise, it's Ross bigger, Austin Chandler, of course, um, because those guys have both pretty much done it already. Um, you know, Ross has killed three, 200 inch deer. Austin's killed, um, high nineties class deer. Yeah. Several of them. Um, one guy to do it like on a, both those guys could do it on any given year. It's one of those things. Okay. If I had to throw my money in on it, Ross bigger's a shooter, man. 
that guy can shoot a bow like no mother no other motherfucker especially if it's a 200 inch buck i mean the guy's got three of them i love austin and i love ross but for the how i'm feeling right now i'm going ross ross is just uh he's a shot with a bow man it's hard to it's hard to outshoot ross Uh, awesome all right uh (laughs) hopefully he doesn't listen to this one yeah Um, would you rather hunt the first week or the last week and why of season in general yep first week why is that um i think i think both have their benefits for sure uh one it's not freezing cold and you're not and i don't always have like the perfect late season food to get on like a predictable pattern for a buck late season i think i'm better uh probably patterning a buck early on an early season food source um when he hasn't been messed with all season long than i am a highly pressured deer where i might not have the ideal food source sure. that's right i'd put my money on myself i almost did it this year so that's that that's the freshest experience in my mind so i gotta <laughs> go with the first week got it yeah yeah interview me like... next year and it might be a whole nother answer i don't know <laughs> yeah that all no, that's that's fair and it seems like um yeah that late that late season that last week or whatever last two weeks of season where it's super cold and if you have the food they're there if you don't they're not and even mm-hmm. then like they might not be there right they, they might be on you know two miles away on a different food source that's the same yeah. as yours but just they decided to go that way right? you have an outfit or two properties over that's just feeding them all and then you gotta yep. you're just you're just watching squirrels so <laughs> that's right all right um what's one thing uh you want to change this season about your current hunting scenario it can be like uh you can't say time because you got a bunch of that now but you can say like uh improvements land like neighbors location genetics like what's one thing you would like to change um improvements on land if i if i'm able to you know i got a little tractor this year a little old school i think it's like an early 80s compact john deere tractor um and bought a used mower and forked up money to buy a tiller so i'm gonna try and do uh, some small things i can't do a lot because i don't own my own ground but my i'm gonna work with the landowner to see if i can't you know manufacture a food plot a little differently from what i did last year um i might try and actually make a late season food source for the property as like putting some beans mixed with some some big time like buck brunch um i've never done soybeans and like a little kill plot style but um, i'm going to utilize austin's farmer knowledge and experience and see if i can't pay him off to have him come out and (laughs) maybe drill in some beans for me i don't know i don't know but uh i think somewhere along those lines is what i'd like to do and um of course try and kill a mature buck again sure. see what we can pull off so okay awesome uh last one what is what's the thing you're most excited about uh rolling into 2022 like the hunting season not necessarily working class bow hunter um you had any like any big hunts coming up or any uh yeah. any opportunity like finding a nice deer that you didn't get this year or something like that uh that hopefully if i'm not hunting a ghost but uh, I have an elk up planned in September um, with my good okay. buddy, Trey Heiner. He has an outfit out in Wyoming and just became a really close buddy of mine. Um, he's who I went with and killed that uh, mountain lion with. Um, and, you know, his son passed away um, a, a couple years ago. And with my dad passing, we're going to do a memorial hunt for them and um, get, get to spend some time together. We're doing a horseback hunt and going in after a big Wyoming elk somewhere. So 
Um, that I'm, I'm looking forward to that the most. Um, but I'm also really looking forward to, I, I, it's a possibility. I might chase some turkeys in some different States this year. I don't, I don't know for sure yet, but, uh, just having a good time with like-minded people and doing some of these fun hunts. And, um, I might try and sneak in a mule deer hunt here or there it depends on, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm due to sit down and like make, make the schedule. Right. But yeah. the elk are, is, uh, by far the number one hunt I'm looking forward to. And it's something my dad always wanted to do. And, yeah. um, so we're going to go out and do like a memorial hunt for, for Clyde and my dad. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I'm excited to, to see that as well. Yeah. Um, is this your first elk hunt? Uh, I, uh, me, my dad, and the Buckstorm boys, we did an elk hunt over the counter in Colorado in 2018. Okay. Um, so this will be my second elk hunt. Okay. That's awesome. Cool, yeah. man. Well, that's great. All right. Well, hey, Kurt, thank you for being on. Really appreciate the time, dude. Um, what, Thanks for having uh, me. If, yeah. Yeah, you bet. If people want to find you, where where they do it? Working class bow hunter on Instagram, uh, working class bow hunter podcast on Facebook. Um, Kurt Geyer hunt on my personal Instagram. I don't know why you want to follow that. Just follow working class bow hunter, working class and every podcast platform and deer cast. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, leave a like, leave a review that really helps. And also certainly go check out working class. Uh, they, like I said, in the beginning, they have a lot of awesome content with a lot of great people. And I'm sure you guys will learn something there and enjoy the conversation. Cause they are the working class boys. They are pretty, I mean, maybe you're losing that title. Cause now you're doing it full time and you're not at JD anymore. The common right. conversation uh, <laughs> coming up, but it's uh work, work hard at what you do and right. you're working class. Exactly. All right, man. Well, Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you everybody for listening. Catch you next time.